Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. And welcome to a special 4th of July edition of Leave It in the Ring. I'm one of your co-hosts, uh, Gabriel Montoya, uh, trying to patch in uh, my other co-host, uh, Dave Duenas, but uh, we're having a little holiday uh, trouble this morning. Well, I'm, Oh, there I'm he on. is. Yeah, oh. I'm on, but I'm on my phone. I'm trying to get in gotcha. with the uh, direct here, man. Um, Give me so a, I'm, a I'm 4th still, of still July heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's something, I, I think there's a, 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 a happy 4th of July. I think Blog Talk's doing a little bit of maintenance because it took me like two or three times to uh, to log in and it was it was pulled up this crazy screen. Uh, so maybe they thought, you know, these guys are going to rest. So let's give them a heart attack. <laughs> Wake them yeah, up. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, well, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we've got uh, Lenny Z versus Alex Sacedo uh, in a fight of the year candidate. Certainly round four is a, a round of the year candidate, no question. Uh, just brutal back and forth. Uh, we got Triple G versus Canelo. They're uh, they're too angry to be in the same room, Dave. They're uh, they're a little upset with each other. <laughs> you, you know what? Um, you know, what? Two weeks ago, we saw Kalisha, uh, Kalisha Shields get in the ring, right? And as soon as um, the the rival that she has, which is you know uh, Christina Hammer. She's, you know, automatically went into this like fit of rage because her name was mentioned and she was in the ring, and you could see that it wasn't genuine. It was like, you know, kind of well rehearsed, you know. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't even well rehearsed. It was very bad rehearsed. It was a very bad. Um, <laughs> the city improv is what it was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Where Canelo and Triple G, you can actually see the real true hatred for each other. They really don't like each other anymore. You know. I mean. The first fight, you know, there was a buildup because Canelo was getting annoyed by the name of uh, of Gennady Golovkin being brought up every time he was he was somewhere. He was going to fight somebody else, but the question was, when are you going to fight Triple G? Now, now you can just see it's this guy. This guy doesn't seem to get out of my life. Yeah, and you know, I mean, Triple G has made a decision. You know, um, it's funny how many guys say he's not about the money, and yet. We saw so much haggling over money and in such pursuit of Canelo, the big cash cow. I mean, I never hear them say we need that lineal title. They just really want to fight Canelo because he's got he's you know, he's the biggest money guy. And I, it's one thing I, I felt that they've been a bit disingenuous about. You know, he may love his work, Triple G. He may uh, be that, that champion that's willing to fight anybody and can't get everybody. But at the end of the day, he fought for a higher percentage because he felt he was entitled to that kind of money. And I, I think... You know, I think he felt also that he was going to he, that he won that first fight, so he deserved that lion's share, obviously. Uh, but you know, now it, it's moved into this other realm. I mean, I, I think it's, it is a classic case of watch what you wish for. I mean, here he was on the mission to get all the belts, and then he took this detour, similar to Sergio Martinez, to chase the cash cow rather than the mission. And you know, look what it's got him. He lost one of his belts. 
Uh, now he's fighting Canelo, and he's you know he's a year older. Um, we're going to see what it's like. And you know, people are saying that that uh, Triple G is going to fight with more of a, tr- a chip on his shoulder, and he's really he's, he's looking for the KO this time, like he wasn't last time, like he doesn't every fight. Um, and t- I'll say this to, to people that think he's going to do something different: if he doesn't do anything different in his training camp, he's not going to do anything different in the fight. Period. That's very true. That is very true. You know, I mean, I hear what you're saying about what folks are saying, you know, that this time he's coming with vengeance and, you know, this, you know, the line share is well-deserved because Canelo, you know, tested positive and Canelo did this to him and and postponed the fight and then forced him to fight Vons Matarosian. Well, as you just mentioned, he decided to take that route of chasing Canelo. Yeah. So I don't really see the problem. I don't see why he's so upset about it. You know, I mean, he knew what he was getting himself into. Is he pissed about that, that Canelo made him wait? Okay, but it, I think that was out of Canelo's hands. And if he is coming in this time with this vengeance, and as some folks say that, you know, he's going to go in there, he's looking for the knockout this time. And as you mentioned, you know, uh, I guess, Last fight, he wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, I I Um, understand. The Abel Sanchez tactic is still trying to get underneath the skin of Canelo, which I think he did. But I think it's safe to say that Canelo and his team are smart enough to know not to fall into the let's stand and trade. Let's let's show who's got more, you know, more balls, who's more macho. Um, I think they understand that they're not the puncher in this fight. It's triple G. But also, I just wonder, like, because of what I saw from the first fight, the only adjustment that I see that – well, there's two adjustments that I see that Canelo's got to do. <clears throat> One is, obviously, a stamina. He's got to work on that, you know. Um, this kid has a history in his fights of gassing out in, in, in rounds. Either, you know, it's in those late rounds, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't step it up. He slows down sometimes in the mid-rounds. With with Triple G, it's just got to be very consistent. If it's not three rounds all the way every round, I mean, every I mean, if it's not three minutes in every round, it at least has to be those last two minutes because you don't want to give the last minute of the round, which is always the memorable part to a judge, you know. There's um, no question. Yeah, it's it, well, you know, watching that fight again, it was like Triple G missed a lot, got blocked a lot. Missed wide several times. Got hit flush a little bit more than, than we've really seen him. Uh, I mean, maybe the Brook fight, but that was in exchanges. But, you know, we saw Canelo land uh, a pretty telegraphed big right hand on Triple G. He took it, but he, it still landed. Um, I'm very curious to see what he's going to be like. He looked great against Vadas Martin Erosion, but I, I just don't even think that was a fight. You know, Vadas hadn't ever fought at that weight. He hadn't fought in two years. Um, had been, you know, to me... You know, I don't know if he was slowing down, but I mean, even at the top level, what's, you know, just like quick, what's Vanessa's best win? You know, that's the answer every time. It's just a bit of space and like, ah, I don't know. So it's like, it really wasn't much of a fight. Um, He, yeah, he had a training camp and he's, you know, he's the more active guy, I guess, uh, by a couple rounds. 
But, you know, you're right. I mean, watching that last fight, I mean, it gets closer when I watch it. And it's not because I'm liking Canelo more and Triple G less. Um, I'm liking Triple G's fans probably less. Um, you know, Canelo's fans I'm indifferent to. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it's to me, it's a, there was a lot left on the table by both guys. I thought Canelo didn't come back with enough offense. Yeah, he made him miss, but he didn't make him pay enough. So I'm curious to see if he's going to be able to make him pay more. And in doing so, is that going to open him up? Uh, to Triple G being able to counter, who looks, I don't know, you know, against Danny Jacobs and Canelo, it, uh, there are moments where he, he just didn't look like him, his old self. He looked like his old self, you know? Um, and and uh, I'm just curious to see what he's going to be like this time around. Will this bad blood make for a better fight? Or will Canelo do the same thing that he did the first fight and box? Uh, I think he's smart to do that. Uh, Triple G obviously wants him to get into a rock and sock and robot Mexican style, but you know somebody needs to show uh, Triple G uh, Salvador Sanchez and Juan Manuel Marquez and Ricardo Lopez because Mexican style isn't just face forward brawlers. We have a history of classic boxing at the highest level. I don't I don't know if it, if it's Triple G that has to go back and look at those fighters. I think it's Abel Sanchez because this really really honestly lays on the hands and on the back of Abel Sanchez. You know, to me, this is not a question of, of just Triple G. Can he adjust? This is a question is, can Abel Sanchez adjust to what he saw in that first fight? Because we saw what they lacked in that first fight. One was there was no body work. Two was they did follow for the first four to five rounds. And even though the jab did work, they did nothing to take away Canelo's jab. They also did nothing about... Um, adjusted to this counterpunching in those first four rounds. You and know, no body punch. You have, to, you have to look at the classic youth against age with this fight here. To me, there's more questions that are kind of looming over the Triple G camp than, than Canelo's at the moment, you know, uh, just because there's a, there's a couple of factors that actually are going to kind of hinge whether or not uh, Triple G is past his prime, or is he, was he at the peak? Did we see the last peak of him uh, when they faced each other in September? Um, finding Vons Monrosen, was it a mirage? There's, to me, there's a lot of questions there. You know, the added heat that they have between each other, I think it's a big plus, but it also could be a very, it could be a big negative, you know, where, where Abel ha- Santis is only working on the exact same things that you, like you said, if they're still working on the same things, if they're still doing the same routine, regimens in camp, then you're not going to really see another guy start, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, progress in this rematch. And a lot of times the rematches never hold up to the first match. And the first match was very competitive, very, very competitive, you know. But I like the, I like the, the level of the playing field between the two. You have one guy that's going to be laid off for a whole year. You have another guy that may just come in and try to fight the same way, which is go toe-to-toe, um, start cutting the ring late, never do any body work, and just headhunt. As we have saw many, many times with punchers, man, once, once the media and the fans start telling them that they're this monstrous Godzilla puncher, they fall in love with that, and they feel they have to perform like that when they step in the ring every time. It's no longer being technically sound to get the KO, which that's how you got it in the beginning, it's now just KO. When you face a lot of guys coming up in weight, I think that's what happens. 
You know, I mean, I, I like Triple G. I'm not, you know, get, uh, joining the haters club. Uh, you know, particularly, you know, as as we head into this, you know, late stage of his career. I, I've I was championing Triple G. I can honestly say before anybody else was really talking about him. Um, I, I had a friend, uh, Julian Kasdan, who would talk about all the Eastern European amateurs that no one had seen and, and would point guys out. And, and Gennady was, was one of those guys. It's a pretty obvious point out considering his amateur career, but nobody was talking about him here. Even uh, or watching him on the, the stream against Kasim Uma uh, back when streams were, uh, you know, uh, not exactly legal. Uh, but it was out of Panama. So, you know, uh, give me a break. Uh, but, you know, watching that fight... Um, uh, you know, still no one was really talking about the guy, um, you know, and, and, uh, but you look at that resume and the big knockouts, you know, uh, Vanas Martirosian, uh, 154 pounder, Kel Brook, 147 pounder, moving up to, to 160. Um, that's considered probably Triple G's signature win next to David Lemieux, uh, a fighter who'd been stopped before. Um, you know, uh, Dominic Wade, who? Uh, Willie Monroe Jr., 154-pounder, uh, uh, you know, with not a lot of power at 154, much less 160. Uh, Martin Murray, uh, arguably the lineal middleweight champion, but also, you know, he's, he's now having a career, uh, you know, at 68. So uh, maybe the win gains a little bit in reflections, a solid win. But, you know, Marco Antonio Rubio, he's got that win over David Lemieux uh, early on in Lemieux's career. Um, that's probably his signature win. Um you know, Daniel Giel, uh, who's definitely long in the tooth. Uh, Asumanu Adama, uh, really? You know, uh, Matthew Macklin, uh, or, you know, the shell of him. Uh, Curtis Stevens, who'd been beaten, I believe, stopped before. Uh, the list goes on. Nobu Ishida, 154-pounder, who moved up in weight. Uh, you know, Gabe Rosado, uh, who's, you know, kind of an also-ran, a, a journeyman. Uh, you know, Gregor's Proxa, uh, Makato Fujigama, Luhan Simon. Uh, you know, I mean, these are not, you know, when he gets to the elite level, he immediately goes the distance uh, against Saul Alvarez and Daniel Jacobs. Daniel Jacobs was, you know, a career 160, and Saul Alvarez is, you know, was finally settling into 160 uh, when they fought. And so I tend to think that, that Triple G needs to understand that he's, you know, I don't think the devastating puncher that maybe all those other wins have made him out to be. I think he's a heavy handed guy who can beat you down, but he's got to get to the body. He's got to have a game plan that, you know, a roadmap that leads him to that stoppage. Uh, you know, and I think a little bit with the Jacobs fight, particularly that that cloak of invincibility was taken off of him. Wouldn't you agree a little bit that he's not now, he's now not winning based on just scaring the shit out of people and, and, be, and beating them down that, that, you know, they're finding that if they can withstand it a little bit, that they, they can be in the fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree, you know. It's, uh, I don't know, when you, when you, you know, any resume could be taken apart, but, oh, there you are. Hmm. I don't even know how I got in. Well, now you have a lovely echo to go with. Uh, <laughs> How about now? Do I still have that lovely echo? Can you hear me? No. No, it's gone. Okay. All right. Yeah, it took a minute. Yeah, there is something wrong. They keep saying that uh, there's a problem with Block Talk. They wanted to end the show. Yeah, yeah, I've had that come up a couple times. That, uh, 
Yeah, that's a new bug, actually. That used to happen during the next round. Uh, probably the last four episodes, they would just abruptly end the show. And we're like, all right, I guess we're done. <laughs> Blog talk, it's a, it's a rocky love affair, we have to say. It is, man. It really, it really <laughs> is. As much money as we pay them, you know, we pay a month. They still haven't figured out how to um, make this a smooth, smooth transition when we get into the show. But uh, going back, yeah, with Triple G. Yeah, you know. You know, the marketing is, is a big is a big deal in boxing. You know, how you market your fighter, how do you get them out there, how do you make them an attraction? Tom Lawford, they absolutely did that, you know. But then the reality has to kick in. And unfortunately, the Kool-Aid stays very cool for some, some, for, for some media guys and some fans, you know, where being objective is not – it's no way in hell – um, can be be brought into the, brought on the table at all. You know, they 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 will argue with you that oh no, he's the puncher that we all fell in love with in the beginning. You know, and I've always said this: um, the more seasoned your opponents start becoming, the more real and human you look. There's only been a few guys that have that touch of touch of sleep in their hands. Only a few guys that are able to put anybody asleep when they touch you. But it, it is harder for them. It becomes very difficult for them to uh, land those punches because they don't have a very stationary person in front of them. When you got somebody that can box, somebody that understands the ring, somebody that understands the map of the ring, um, then you have to start you know, using the art of war method, which is setting some traps or you know, working behind working behind certain strategies to land those big punches. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not going to say that Triple G is not that big puncher, but I think he's more of a, um, he's more of a valiant guy where he has to accumulate certain amount of punches to get you out of there. If you're a much better fighter, you know, because though he dropped Danny Jacob, um, we saw Danny Jacobs maybe stagger a few times, but after that knockdown that he had, which was in the early rounds of their fight, we really didn't see Danny get back in in like serious danger where we were like, oh my God, he can get knocked out at any minute, uh, you know. Um, though that's what a lot of us had thought leading into the yeah. fight was that Danny was going to get once once Triple G touched any little part of the glove on his chin, it was going to be lights out. Good night. See you. See you next week, Danny Jacobs. But it didn't happen like that. Same thing with Canelo. We knew we we did. We, I mean. So-and-so, we kind of knew that he had a good chin, but we didn't know how good of a chin it was when it came in to stepping in with a real puncher. A guy with a, you know, with a real punch. And yeah, as soon he as hadn't really faced one. Right. He, you know, and um, he gets in there, and he takes something just brutally flush. Any other guy in there probably would have been laid out. Any other guy would have been dropped. Um, and Canelo took it. Shrugged it off and continued to box. So that you know, when I heard Abel Sanchez at this press conference, which was what yesterday, um, which was great. It was Facebook. Golden Boy did a fantastic job. I thought the uh I actually kinda enjoyed the host, you know, um, the guy that hosts the show. But um when Abel Sanchez says this time we're gonna knock him out. I was like, man, you guys look like you tried everything in the first fight. I'm, now I'm really curious of of how you guys are going to try to do it the second time. It's that's that's the that's a big question for me, you know. And I think it is feasible. I think it's possible, Gabriel, to knock out Canelo. But 
it all goes back to a new storyline of going to the body. You know? I, I think that, that, that's the major change that they're going to have to make because, you know, because even the, the, the Jacobs knockdown, and I think Loeffler said it, that it wasn't, he wasn't that hurt, Jacobs. It was more of a, it was exactly what I, because I predicted Danny would win, but I, uh, I said the one thing he can't do is put himself into weird positions, which he has a tendency to do, particularly along the ropes. Uh, and it wasn't like he was flush to the ropes. He was like sideways to the ropes and, you know, really couldn't exit. He was just, it was just a strange moment. And he got, he got caught, got bowled over by, by Triple G. And, and, but he got back up and, and recovered. And, and he had more of a body attack in the, in the fight than uh, even after that than Triple G did. And I think that's going to be the big thing is, is can they get that body attack going? And what does that open up for Canelo when they do? Because Canelo's that got you know, a nice uppercut and, and the left hook and right hand yeah. jab. He's got all the punches. It's going to be a problem. He, he does. He, he's got these punches that are not very – I'm not – you know, Canelo, <clears throat> I think, is a solid puncher. He's not a murderous puncher. Um, but he's got, a, he's, got a, he's got a chest full of punches. You know, he knows what, what punches to pull out. Where where I think that what uh, Triple G's got to got to do with with Canelo this time around is we go back and watch that fight. The pressuring in the beginning was the fault. It allowed Canelo to get in the rhythm, but it also made Canelo gas out in the late rounds, which to me gave gave up those rounds. It was a, it was it was Gennady Golovkin's way of getting back into this into the fight, you know, but. <clears throat> How do you make this kid gas out again? I don't think this time Triple G can afford to get punched so much this time. I think anything, they're going to have to stand behind that jab. They're going to have to walk Canelo back with that jab. And to me, that's when you start, when you walk him back with that jab and you get him against the ropes, with, it's no problem. You saw that in the fight. They had no problem getting him against those ropes. And Canelo was completely comfortable being at those ropes. After tasting the power of, of Triple G, he was completely fine. Of stand, standing in that pocket against that rope, having that that rope against his you know his shoulder blades. So once you walk him back with that jab, I think that's where you start releasing the body shots, and you're gonna have to start dipping your head so that you're not so much of a target. You know I see this a lot with a lot of fighters now is they stay very upright and then they throw like a hook to the body, and it leaves it leaves this wide opening. For you to counter, that's got to be eliminated. You got to shorten that up, and that means by bending at the hip, kind of looking into the pocket of the hip of the, of the opponent. That's how you protect yourself. Go back and watch the old school Julio Cesar Chavez. He was beautiful of going to the body by eliminating so much target of himself, and that was by dipping a bit and then attacking. That's what Triple G and Abel Sanchez need to do. That kind of takes away that uppercut. I mean, the uppercut may land, but it's not going to land with that, with that force that it had in the first time. You know, <clears throat> to me, the, both guys got a lot to answer in this rematch. Um, but if you had to push me against the wall and say who's got proof or who has more questions to answer, I'm going to have to say Triple G, Gabriel. Even though the kid Canelo has got a year off, He's still got youth that, that's right behind him. Where Gennady, year and year, it, it, it does affect him. It does hurt him. And fighting a guy like Von Matarosa, to me, in my opinion, 
it helps out your ego, but it doesn't help you out when it comes time to facing one of the top guys in the ring. Well, I'll tell you what also doesn't help is like, you know, media fanboys that tell Triple G that he hasn't changed a bit, you know, and that he won the Danny Jacobs fight easy and Jacobs was running and, you know, how do you win a fight going backwards, which I, I guess that argument completely negates the career of Muhammad Ali, uh, who, who, you know, fought his entire career running backwards. Oh, backwards uh, or, yeah. you know, Sugar Ray Leonard was also a guy that fought running backwards. Uh, Pernell Whitaker uh, yep. was also a guy. Uh, th- this whole notion really that bad. you have to, yeah, stand and fight, that's the only way to win. No, that's just the style that you like. That's all. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, but telling Triple G that he hasn't aged, I, I remember saying it in the, was it the, the Dominic Wade fight, well, his body doesn't look that good to me. He looks a little older. And I was told that I was crazy. I didn't know what I was looking at. Um, and, you know, and then as we got into the Jacobs fight, I, you know, you watch, watch the last 20 seconds of that fight. And to me, it's Jacobs that lands the last few big shots. And you watch Triple G's legs kind of go out from under him. Uh, as he tries to move forward on Jacobs, right, tell me, tell me I'm crazy. You watch that last 20 seconds. That's what happens. Jacobs falls to the ground, and I know the people that deride him and, and use phrases like uh, you know dummy graphic. Um, you know, I, I call them ganaticists uh, uh, because they're, they're they're just fanatical about about everything Triple G. Uh, they took Danny Jacobs falling to the ground and raising his arms. It's like, oh, I barely survived, which is, you know, not what he was doing. Uh, and, and they completely ignored Triple G kind of like staggering back to his corner. Um, I think that Triple G can go at a certain pace, but at a, at a higher pace, you know, in, in bursts, he, he's, you know, in small bursts, he's good. Uh, but I don't know if he can do that for the long haul. He's at 36. They always compare him to Hagler, despite, you know, you look at his reign and it's, it's, it's not Hagler. Um, but, you know, maybe he is that guy that can be taken advantage of a little bit by, you know, faster, faster shots. Maybe you know, Canelo takes some heat off of his punches and steals some rounds the way Sugar Ray Leonard did against Hagler, uh, you know, who was an older guy. I think he was 36 in that fight, was he not? Uh, so, you know, I, I think I think Triple G's is fighting an uphill battle. I mean, I, I like him a lot, I think, you know, but I also think, you know, when you look at the way business goes, particularly in boxing, whose win is better for boxing? Canelo's. He's going to be 28, you know, uh, later this month, on July 18th. Uh, Triple G's only getting older. How much longer can that reign go? Um, you know, he's not the big pay-per-view draw. He did big numbers with Canelo, but he needed Canelo, um, you know. Uh, so I, I think he's got an uphill battle. He's got to, he's got to prove it. He's got to do more than he did the first time. And if he thinks he won eight rounds the first time doing what he did, uh, well, he needs to reexamine that fight and, and realize he's got to do more. He's, he's not it, the star. It, on this it, one. Again, it falls in the be. lap of Abel. It falls on the lap of Abel Sanchez. Because to me, the fighter listens to what the trainer says, because that's where the trust begins and ends is with your trainer. And you could see yeah. that Canelo, complete, I mean, um, uh, Triple G completely trusts Abel Sanchez. He, he relies on what Abel sees, and he relies on what Abel teaches, because it's worked. Yeah. Okay. But I think and, it's also a, a, a tough philosophy. I mean, we, we'll get into this fight in a minute, but the, you know, uh, the Sacito fight this weekend, that style right. of just pleasing the crowd – you know, speaking as a performer, if you're worrying about the crowd, you're not doing 
your job right. It's about doing the job, which is winning the fight. You know, um, who cares if it's entertaining? Just win. And I think that that puts them into a trap, you know, where you're, you're worrying about too many things. I, I, call it, me yeah. crazy. No, I, I mean, look, I think Canelo's camp and his trainer hit it on the, you know, it, we're right on point by pointing out Abel Sanchez. It's not about you. It's about them. Just do your job. Just do your job. There's no reason for you to talk. You're not a fighter. And you could see that Abel Sanchez has really been sucked into this, to this that he's been part of now, where everything, you know, he's talking for, for, for Triple G, almost. It's almost like, you know, he's, everything that, that he feels, he thinks that that's what Triple G feels. And I think that's what he's feeding his fighter. So the blindfold's got to come off of the trainer. He's got to be able to see everything. If anybody's got to be open-minded, if anybody that has to be subjective about their fighter, it's got to be the trainer. You got to be able to point out his flaws still. You got to be able to see that. You got to be able to go watch the tape and go, oh, shit, this is what we messed up at. This is why the rounds were given away to the other guy. And that's where I'm curious is we know so far that Abel's has been able to get Gennady past certain fights that have been very close. And we know that he can get Gennady to knock guys out that are not even on the same level or smaller guys than, than him. We know that. But this is a moment of truth, in my opinion, in a rematch. Well, you got a draw because there were certain rounds that were so close, very competitive. And like you said, regardless of what the Triple G fans, I don't even listen to them. I don't even engage with them. Because there's no point of engaging with fools that don't want to see the real picture. And that's why, to me, it falls in the lap of Abel Sanchez. Does he see the real picture? Because the writing's on the wall. he got to make these adjustments. Didn't even make those adjustments with the Danny Jacob. So to me, that was the answer. They didn't go back. They didn't see these flaws. They continue to believe that they're Godzilla and that Godzilla can't be conquered. I, you know, I was told this years ago, years ago, Gabriel, and uh, this one guy told me uh, about his, his brother. He said, oh, my brother's an animal. And I told him, I'm all, every animal can be tamed. Why would you want to make that comparison? Every animal can be tamed. And that's where we're going to find out in September, whether or not the animal that stepped in last year, September against, Canelli, uh, against Canelo, Alvarez, is Alvarez going to have an easier time taming the animal? Or does the animal evolve and become smarter than the hunter? I don't know. It's going to be, is- I, I, I'm looking forward to it, to tell you the truth. I'm really looking forward to it because of the drama that's been built up, because of the animosity, and because of the questions that we just asked right now. To me, there's a lot that needs to be answered, and we're gonna, when we find out, it, it's, I think it's going to be a fun fight. Whether or not they make these adjustments, if they go back in, i got to tell you the truth, if they go back in and fight the same way they fought the first fight, and go back to the first fight, dude, I'm happy with it. I'm perfectly fine. You know, um, 
What is good for boxing is good matches. What is good for boxing is great enter- entertainment. That's good for boxing. If Canelo wins, absolutely, that is a much upper status for boxing because he's 28. There's still stuff to build on him, and he still looks very beatable in terms of getting in the other bigger guys that are big punchers. You know, we don't really know how well he'll look against a, 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 a tall, young, hungry lion like Charlo. You know, um, those those are still matches, even with Triple G. But pay-per-view-wise, you're absolutely right. Gennady is not the star yet. And I don't think he'll ever be the star that his fans wish he could be, which is that face of boxing. He's not the face of boxing. He's just not. I don't think it's ever going to happen. He needs the right dance partner to always bring the house in. And, uh, you know, if you don't have that marquee name, it's really hard. We've seen that with them already. It's really hard. Yeah, I mean... um... You know, uh, I think he's a face of boxing. You know, um, absolutely. But I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Know? I still would have liked the the Derevchenko fight more than the Vanas Martirosian fight. And you know, people can say you, you didn't want to. You know, it was it was a you know high risk, low reward, and this that and the other thing. You know, but I always hear all these rules for all the other fighters. Fighters fight. You know, belts matter, uh, but I guess they don't if there's a big money fight on the line, but then that's confusing because then he, he, he's not about the money unless he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all, it's yeah. just all kind of very confusing to me. Um, you'll never convince me that, uh, the March Rosian fight was a better fight than the Derevchenko fight. Like I, I just, no, you know, no, it was a no. fight that I wanted to see. That was a KO uh, reel. That's what they needed. It also was a confidence I, booster. Could have been it's a fight of the year too. Yeah, you know, um, it was a confident booster, not just for Gennady. Gennady, it was, it was a confident booster for his fans. They wanted to know, is this power still there? And they, they said, yeah, yeah, look, let me show you. Bring in that guy, yeah. he hasn't fought in two years. He's a smaller guy, he'll jump up, but Triple G will knock him out. And yeah, he did. he's not really a power puncher or anything at his own weight. But uh, yeah, this is a real challenge. That kind of turned me off, you know, a little bit. I got to like, I get it. You know, and it wasn't his fault. It was Canelo's negligence or, or it was Canelo cheating, you know, depending on how you look at it. Um, but, or whose story you want to believe. But uh, it just, to me, it was in that moment, here's a guy with, you have all the belts, you have all the responsibilities. And it didn't turn me off. I'm going to tell you why it didn't turn me off because I'm so numbified with boxing that I know exactly what they're doing. I know why they're doing it. Yeah, you know, it, 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 bo- boxing is 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 a curtain show. If you're not able to see behind the curtains, then you're going to be naive and you're going to think like, oh wow, like oh this uh, Tom's about the people. Really? That's what you think? <laughs> Bob Arum is about the people. Really? Okay. Yeah, none of these guys are in it to make a lot of money, to make the most money they can off a fighter. It's it's a money game, and I've said this a long time ago. If there's money involved in it, then it's it's you're not going to come out completely clean. It's impossible. People don't start. People don't get in business, you know, to sit there and tell you, I don't got to eat. I don't pay my mortgage. 
They get in to try to get as much as they can out of it. That's why they get into business. And boxing is a business. It's a business first. It's a sport second. You know, I have we. I think we both have a love and hate relationship with boxing. Yeah. My love for it weighs a lot more than my hate for it, but I can't ignore the obvious things that that are taking place and put my love before it. I, I have to point out. Like wow, so that's why I go back again. I'm not surprised. I'm not. I've never been surprised because I understand that they have to try to keep. You, you know, the the, the 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 boxing game is to continue to feed the naive because you can't put casuals in in that category all the time because even casuals can read the fine print. I even have casuals that will tell you like, oh man, this this dude's just fighting some nobody. It's the naive. Yeah, I mean, it's that joke. We have a lot. Yeah, what was that? It's just that uh, you know, there's one born every minute and two to take them. You know. Yep. Yeah. And that's uh, that's you know. And you know what's crazy that in, in in boxing is as fans. I've said this years ago. I and I would say it for you know for a long time. I used to say that boxing fans are like uh, battered women. You know, you could just beat us and beat us, and we'll find every excuse in the book to justify it or to defend it. And boxing preys on that. They understand that. The guys behind the scenes, the managers and promoters, they understand what they have in front of them. They don't want to cater to the the smart fan. That's not what their business is about because they understand if they cater to the fight fan, to the smart fight fan, then they have to really put up a lot of risk. And boxing business is not about risk. It's all about reward. So you, you cater to the guys that are like, yeah, man, Triple G is the greatest. Triple G culture. You got a guy right now on Twitter. That's, that's, that's on, his, on his avatar. You know, Triple G culture. If I'm a manager well, and I see that, that's who I'm going to cater to. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, you know. Yeah, you know, the the Mexicans for Golovkin and all that stuff. You know, I mean, that's I think it's great. You know, I mean, uh, the t shirts are pretty cool, and, and it's nice that he has a fan base. You know, uh, but it, it's just you know, it is what it is. I mean, I I I, uh, I look at this fight too. It's it's you know, with the marketing of it, both guys are everybody's saying the same thing. The bad blood's going to make this a tougher fight. It's going to make it a meaner know. fight. It's more it. personal. I tend to think it's going to be the same fight. I think so too. I mean, look, bad blood is, is bad blood. They had it in the beginning. Is it thicker? Absolutely. Does it make Triple G more aggressive? I'm not quite sure if it does. I think Triple G is Triple G. Yeah. He's going to go in there, just going to do what he does all the time. I mean, you know, regardless of the, of, 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 of the adjustments, he's an aggressive guy. He likes to go in and try to give a show. So, Either the layoff or Canelo affects him, and he goes in there and he goes in soft, gets knocked knocked out, or Canelo goes in again in great shape, gives the four best rounds he can give, and then loses the rest. I don't know. Or well, the, the coin flip is Triple G gets old. Canelo is able to, to go eight rounds this time. And outboxes them for eight rounds, and it goes his way. I don't know. And that's why I think it's going to be 
very take away the bad blood, take away all that crap. To me, it's still a very good fight. Very good fight. Yeah. Canelo has gone the 12 round distance so many more times than Triple G. I, you know, you can't help but think that that's that's a factor. It is this. a factor, but the factor is too is Triple G let him off the hook. There was no body work, and that was one thing that we kind of fell in love with Triple G in the beginning of his career. Oh yeah, how well say, he went he was to like the body. Yeah, yeah, he looked great, um, but became a headhunter, and and it just kind of diminished everything that that that, that built him to what we saw was a very well, well-rounded fighter. A guy that could cut the ring, guy had good footwork, great balance, knew how to work his jab through the straight right, could, could throw the, uh, an overhand right over the top of your glove, work the body, come up the middle, could fight inside, could fight outside. There was an overall things that he brought to the table that was, you know, was, was like we, we, we thirst for because it lacked in the sport, we didn't see anybody bring any of these tools, these old-fashioned tools that work. And as soon as that, as soon as the fame, and it always happens. We saw this with a, we saw, we've seen this with a lot of great fighters. As soon as the fame hits, that wall finally blocks them from from actually working as they how they normally would do on yeah. a, on a night that they weren't known, <laughs> you know. So, anyways, yeah, I mean, um, Cheeto, you know, everybody falls in yeah. love with their power, you know, it's just, and you get older and you get a little heavier, you know, and, and, uh, like, but like I said, you know, just back at the top. Yeah. I mean, I thought Triple G looked a little, a little tired, tired I mean, against J- Jacobs and, yeah. uh, uh, against Canelo. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the Canelo has been fighting 12 round fights since he was a welterweight. You know, uh, yeah, and and so I think he's he's got like maybe ten or eleven, twelve round fights under his belt, counting the Triple G fight. Triple G's got two. You know, and they're like his most recent fights. So I, I find that to be a huge factor here, and I thought I thought it played out in their first fight that Canelo knew how to how to break it up and how much energy he was going to have. But I think you know as he gets more comfortable at this weight. Who knows what he's been doing uh, all year uh, in preparation. But, you know, to my original point, you know, because I feel like there's been diminishing returns. I remember Victor pointing out he thinks there's diminishing returns of being at altitude. Um, that, you know, unless Triple G is doing something different in his training, uh, looking for more explosion. Because they say, like, you know, power is the last thing to go. But, you know, if you've got heavy hands, but your delivery system is fast twitch muscles, and those are diminishing – because of your training is not, you're not doing anything different. You're losing that explosion. You're losing that ability to kind of come back in the middle of shots uh, to make somebody miss and make somebody pay. So who cares if, you know, if you're heavy handed, you need a guy to stay on the ropes or stay in one spot and trade with you in order to get your power up. You know, something's wrong. Uh, yeah. So unless, unless something drastically changes, uh, I think Canelo is a guy and, that always seems to be changing things up. I'm not sure about Canelo or about Triple G. And here's another thing to point out really quick before we move on to our next topic here. Um, the older Gennady Golovkin has gotten, the less we see head movement. He's getting hit a lot. Vaz Modorosian, that first one, was clipping him a lot. And Gennady has shown he's got a great chin. But 
every great chin can get chipped away like a rock. I, I just don't see him. I can't see him afford or or to continue to get clipped like that every single time when he steps into that ring. And I'm pretty sure Canelo and his team saw that first round. Look at him, man. He's getting hit a lot. Every great chin could be cracked and, and, and dented. Those are things, like I said, a lot weighs on Abel Sanchez. Not really on Triple G. Triple G is going to be Triple G. The only way that anybody that could change him a bit is going to be Abel. But is it so far gone, though, Gable? My question is, is it so far gone now that there's really, you can't really change him anymore? The habits are already there. Anyways, I'm your host, Dave Duenas. This is Gable Montoya. Let's, uh, let's move on to our next topic, man. What else do we got on the list here on, on Leaving Ring? I can't believe, you know what? I can't believe it's 4th of July, man. It doesn't even feel like it, you know? I haven't heard anybody throwing out fireworks around here in town. Maybe a little bit of firecrackers, but nothing big, nothing major. Oh, somebody did last night, right as I was falling asleep. Really? <laughs> he decided to just start letting it all fly. Although, you know, it's kind of a trip because up here, I mean, uh, there's, you know, there's fires right now in, in Sonoma. You can see the uh, the orange glow yeah, in the distance, Yeah, you man. Can, yeah. We, we're actually getting the uh, the cloud. The, uh, oh, the cloud yeah. of, of smoke coming down over here, but uh, oh, you're getting it down in the Central Valley. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah my car is covered in was covered in ash. I'm sure it is today too. Uh, like every day, like I took my car to the car wash and then it, you know, got covered in ash the next day. I was like, well, it's really hard to do that over here in the Valley. I got to tell you that. I mean, you could wash your car, and then within the day, it's covered with dust because you know we we're surrounded by by fields, you know. So it's really hard, man. Like I, 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 I try my hardest to keep my van looking good and my cars, but you know, you just you gotta you gotta go. I, I see people take their cars to the car wash and or do detail, and it looks great. But for like an hour, two days, yeah. <laughs> it was like in two days, you'll see them like, oh man, what happened? I thought you washed your car. I did. I did wash my car. It was like two days ago. Like Jesus, Christ, yeah, it looks like you went through a, a cloud of, uh, of dust, dude. But um, we're surrounded yeah, by know. trees, so it's either pollen or it's or it's it's ash right now, <laughs> which right? is you know it's a bummer. I mean we're you know we uh, do our best. You got any plans for today? Doing anything today? Oh yeah, I'm hitting the barbecue uh, around noon. So it's gonna feel like Fourth of July in a bit. I'm meeting up with a bunch of uh, friends here in the city, and my buddy's got like a, he lives way up at the top of this building. Like uh, it's got a balcony mm-hmm. overlooking uh, the whole Bay Area, and so we're just gonna throw down some some foods and, and, you know, uh, different meats and things. I made a bunch of salsa, which I'm a little afraid of. I think Ooh. I might've made it too hot. Uh, we'll see, uh, if it burns all the gringos mouths, I'm going to bring like oh. some bread, you know, just to be like, all right, uh, throw that in your mouth. That's uh that's going to be fireworks within its own. Anytime yeah. you give uh, salsa to any gringos and their faces start <laughs> turn, turning colors, that's a light show right there for me, buddy. You know, <laughs> here, Jonathan, my, my business partner here, Jonathan, have taste one of these, you know, um, I've got like a, yeah, like a couple of cherry bombs. I, I've got like a batch of habaneros, uh, man, <laughs> a ghost throw, pepper. Uh, give him a ghost pepper. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. I, uh, well, my, I threw like a medley of like jalapenos, uh, you know, serrano jeez. chilies. And then, um, and then I throw a, a couple of, uh, these ones, I, I had like a bag of them from 
a friend of ours that his dad grows his own chili. It's like a whole variety of them. He calls his ones the cherry bomb. And they're just, they're small, but uh-huh. deadly, dude. I mean, like, you can only throw one in, like, a large mix because it just makes everything super hot. So I threw uh, one of those and then, like, one of his other green ones, which are, like, it looks like it's like a habanero mixed with something else. Uh, and yeah. it's deadly, dude. It's like you throw those two in and, like, yeah, we'll see. You know, uh, it, 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 I make a lot of homemade salsa, too, here at the house. And um, if it's really good salsa, all you need is some uh, some queso, Mexican queso. You put it in there, chop up the cheese, throw it in there, boom. That's all you need. You know, um, I, I make mine. I don't make mine way too hot, but I got to have it where it's it's got a good kick, you know. Um, my dad, my dad is the kind of guy, not anymore. My dad's a lot older now, but back in the day, my old man and my uncle, uh, Chilero, they used to, um, they would grab, you know, um, Jamineros and and have tequila. They would bite and then chase it with a shot of tequila. And my old man had to have it where he was sweating. The salsa, if, it, if the salsa wasn't really hot, he didn't care for it. It had to be so hot where he sweat. You know, you could see just dude, his face started glossing up because of the sweat, and he loved it. And I mean, I, I could never understand it. You know, because um, I can't. My taste buds are gone after that if it's that hot. You know, I don't even know how you taste the food anymore. But yeah, see, I, now you got me all hungry, man. I wasn't my my, my business partner's gonna have a barbecue, and actually I was like, I don't think I'm gonna go to it because it's gonna be hot. I kind of wanted to stay in lounge, uh, watch a couple of clean. I've been I've been binging on Clint Eastwood movies. I was Western flicks. Now I'm gonna watch the Dirty Harry, the Dirty Harry series. Um, but now that you're talking about my mouth is watering. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I'll still have some. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll still have it. I made like a, a several jars, like six or seven jars. So when you get up here save for the play this remember, week, remember I'm going uh, over there Saturday. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll, I'll save you. I'll save you one. Saturday. Yeah, save me one. I love <laughs> you. Got it. Because you know, after I'm going to Saturday, because uh, I'm gonna go see you at your play. Um, I gotta stop at the pier and get me some uh, some clam chowder, man. Oh yeah. You know, not in the restaurant. The clam chowders in the restaurants, uh, they're good, but they're not like. They don't have that. I don't know, man. There's an extra, there's an extra flavor, and 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 clam, extra clams, off the vendors on the streets. They make it a lot oh. better. That's seagull, I think, that you're tasting. Yeah. That could be uh, <laughs> yeah. Control the birds that are yeah. down there. <laughs> yeah. That extra yeah. I wonder why there's little bo- I wonder why there's little bones in there. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Uh, <laughs> no, I know what you mean, though. Like the bread bowl down there by the, yeah, you got to go down yeah. there, dude, the vendors. Yeah, even their crab bowls are really good. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, last time we went, I mean, I spent the grip on Father's Day, but I was well worth it. You know, I, I did. I couldn't even walk. But because I go, I love seafood. There's one thing about me. I love seafood. I love clams. I like mussels, lobster. Snow crab, dungeon crab, anything that has, that comes out of the sea, I'll, I, I'll, I'll eat it or try it. Um, so, yeah, I went all out. And uh, so we're going to be going there this Saturday to go see your play. See you perform, my friend. See if you're going to yeah. do a Canelo performance or a Triple G performance. We're going to go see. You know? I don't forget to body punch in this. Show, <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> it's I'm going to go in like uh, – I'll be sure that I go in like that lady that was in the, the episode of Seinfeld. Uh, that Kramer took and uh, for Jerry, but she was like, "Boo!" 
hissing at you if you do a bad performance, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's great. That'll go over uh, real well. Right, right. Like, dude, come out like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? What are you doing? <laughs> I actually had somebody, I was doing a play in Sacramento in a very small theater, like a basement theater. And a buddy of mine from work said, I'm going to come see your play. And he's kind of a trippy guy, uh, a bit of an alcoholic. Uh, he showed up late, sat in the front row. I'm, the show's going. I'm in uh-huh. my scene. Real dramatic play. And there's only two people in the play. And he leans over from the front row and goes, Gabe, I made it. I'm here. <laughs> like... <laughs> Oh, like, well, I'm going to be carrying a sign. Say, Gabe, I didn't know I'm what here. to say. <laughs> I was like, great. Yeah, I'm like, hey, uh, hey, hey, you, call Gabe. You. And like, you know, it's a place in prison. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, in prison right now, dude. Like, quiet. Yeah. Real bad. That's great. Like, tell them an intermission. Could you not talk to the actors? Uh, They're acting. Prison. <laughs> Shakur Stevenson. Oof. Wow. There's a hanging out with hanging out with Big Brother uh, Adrian Broner. Is that what's going on? I not hanging out with Andre Ward enough. Apparently, um, you know, not enough. That uh, well, granted, so they're they're young, they're young, and they're trying to experience everything. And you know, I've always said the spiders are very isolated. You know, you it's a very selfish sport. Boxing takes everything away from you, and then when it's done and ready to get rid of you, it throws you out in the curb. Fighters, yeah, I mean, fighters' life is very boring. I remember, um, you know, when, uh, you know, I haven't in a while. I haven't been going out to the gyms because I normally would volunteer, go help out. And, you know, I, train my, I used to train my son, and uh, I haven't done that. I've been so busy with work, and, you know, I hurt my shoulder, my, my, my back, and my neck. And, like, I could barely even turn my head right now. But, um, hold on, I'm sorry. I'm getting – I'm sorry. Um <clears throat> And I, I would get kids that come in and would say, like, hey, you know, Coach, Coach Duenas, you know, I want to be a fighter. I want to be, And I would tell them, like, boxing's boring. What you see on TV is, is from the work, all the hard work. But boxing is repetitive. You do a lot repetitive. of the same stuff. Yeah. You do a lot of the same stuff. And it's to, to, to get perfection. It's not perfection. It's to just get it impressed. It's, it, you got to press it in your brain. So it becomes second nature, you know, and I would get kids that were like, they were so adamant about it, like, oh, I want to do this. This is what I want. And after maybe a month, if they even made it a month, because they bothered you about, oh, when am I going to spar? Like, dude, you just barely learn how to do your hand wraps, like slow down. And uh, when you worked with me, I, I, that was like the least thing, furthest thing that was in my mind about getting you in the ring to spar, you know? My my son, Tristan, I mean, it took him, God, dude, I mean, three, maybe four years for me to allow him to start sparring. And because uh, wow. you got to be prepared. You got to be ready. And, you know, a little bit was, you know, because I'm his dad. But I'm also sure. I'm very, very critical about him, about his, what he does with both my kids uh, and anything. I, you know, I'm like every father, you know, um, really hard to please. But even at work. If you, if you work with me, if you know me as a plumber for 24 years, there was a lot of guys that would not work with me, Gabriel, because I was just too picky. You know, I, I used to literally tell guys to get the fuck off this job. I'd be like, hey, pick, dude, get, go, bro, leave. I'll do it. Don't worry about it. Just leave it there. Go find something else to do. 
go pick parts. Um, but to me, that's that's craft that's craftsmanship. That's real craftsmanship. So going back with Stevenson is I kind of understand where the kids at. Why a lot of these fighters? Because some folks were like, well, you know, what's wrong with these kids? Like, what's what's going on with them? Um, they're isolated, and they don't know how to act <laughs> when they start getting money. A la Mike Tyson, 21 years old, became a millionaire, and the guy went out and bought a. Yeah, I mean the guy, the guy went out buying all this crazy stuff. We see this with with every athlete. Tigers and the, shit. Tigers and yeah, dude, it was crazy. <laughs> right. Well, it's, uh, Tyson said that he's like, you want to see something funny but sad at the same time as a 21 year old with 100 million in the bank and uh, no one to tell him no. You know, and so Shakur Stevenson, for for people that that, that missed the story, uh, he was arrested and charged with misdemeanor battery over his uh, alleged role in a fight in a Miami parking lot. Um, According to the Miami police, the boxers, uh, he was was with a boxer named David Grayton, um, who's 31 years old, a Washington welterweight, apparently. Um, They got in a fight with a group of people allegedly in a parking lot. Uh, Actually, they allegedly got into a fight with a group of people that were in a parking lot. Uh, so according to, I'm reading this off of uh, from ESPN. According to Miami police, the boxers made comments to the group in the garage, including two women to whom they directed sexual innuendo, which precipitated the incident. Now he's 21 years old. He just had his 21st birthday a few days before, uh, but you know he's also Olympic silver medalist, and uh, so I don't know if one of those things cancels out the other. But you know, I know I, I was pretty dumb as a, a 21 year old. Uh, some say I'm, I'm pretty dumb as a 45 year old. Uh, you know, and but you got her to think. I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, like you say, it's boring, but he is fighting every two months. It's not like he's inactive. He's got a fight scheduled August 18th, a um, little over a month from now. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 hard to to, to say. You know, God, he's got to avoid these things. Like uh, the article on Bad Left Hooked was like, you know, he should be paying attention to Adrian Broner. But I mean, honestly, you know, when you're in a situation, particularly as a as a twenty something, do you really go? Oh, you know what? There are examples of other people that have gone before me, and I should probably, li-. you know, like it just doesn't work like that. I think uh, I think what I think what people got to realize is for one, the kid is is two is when you're a fighter, camp life life is really camp life. Oh, it's, you don't it's really, pits. yeah, you really don't get the the escape like we do. You know, we, we, you know, uh, uh, blue collar workers, white collar workers, we have a schedule. We go to work, we come home, and we're able to indulge in all the the life facilities that that are that are offered to us. We go into a nice restaurant, we can watch TV, we can do all this stuff. A fighter, the majority of the time, is going to get go to camp. No, you wake up, you run. You eat a very light breakfast, you go to camp, you work out, you're doing this, you go back, you're watching fight tape. There's a lot put into it. It's mm-hmm. you gotta be surrounded. You're submerged with it. That the release and escape is is rarely ever there. You know, that's why when you see um when they offer the 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 twenty four seven you know HBO or any 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 anybody else, and you see like uh, some fighters. They like I, I, the one that comes to mind was like Canelo. They went out and they did uh, they w- were racing cars, and 
I remember that this one guy was like, well, you know, why is he doing that? Like, why is he not, dude, shouldn't he be focused on Gennady Golovkin? And I'm like, do you, do you need a release? That's how you refresh your mind. Now, now I'm not saying what Stevenson did is the right way to go refresh your mind, man. You know, but um, I think these kids, they get caught up and, and they slip up like anybody else that's human, especially if there's alcohol and there's drugs involved. Your decision is going to be always poor because you're not coherent enough to make the right decision. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I. Uh, it's a tough thing. I mean, you know, it's like young guys. People got mad at Verdejo for riding a motorcycle. But, you know, it's like, well, um, he's a boxer, so he's kind of an adrenaline junkie. So maybe he's going to go down that road. And he's also young. And we're always kind of judging as, you know, media people people in our 30s and 40s with families, married, more responsibilities than it's easy to forget. Like, you know, when I was 20, well, 19, you know, I jumped off an Amtrak train, you know, like you do stupid shit. <laughs> uh, you know, just because, I didn't do stupid uh, shit like that, man. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I missed my stop. And, uh, you know, I was with a couple of guys and, and, uh, you know, we'd been partying all night, decided to come out to San Francisco and, and, uh, to party some more and we we crashed out on the train and we hear like you know next stop san jose i was like oh shit i gotta get off the train so we went to the middle of the cars and we jumped off uh while it was yeah. moving um not the smartest move in the world i didn't get hurt but you know like you do things when you're when you're young you do, that you don't you do know, when I mean, you're yeah. older you, you know yeah, absolutely i mean we used to do donuts in our cars right just just spin out in the neighborhood Without thinking about like, hey, what if we lose control? We run, run the car into a parked car, and you know, actually, this is funny. I mean, it's it was really funny then. I think it's still funny now, but I shouldn't be laughing at this. But thankfully, nothing happened to the girl. But my buddy Al's girlfriend, my okay, my friend Jose had this uh, old uh, sixty Camaro. No, not even six. I think it was in. No, did I'm way off. I think it was in the eighties. 80, 80 something Camaro. No, it wasn't even a Camaro. It was a T Bird. That's right. It was a T Bird. And um, the passenger door didn't close all the way. So if you bumped it just right, it would it would swing open. So I'm in the back seat. My buddy Jose is driving, obviously, because it's his vehicle, and he's just spinning out, dude. And my buddy Al is on the passenger right seat. And then his girlfriend at the time, named Stella. She starts yelling. She's like, hey, I want to, you know, I want to go in. I want to, you know, ex- get the experience of doing these donuts spinning around, right? And uh, I jumped, because I was right behind Al, so I jumped over for she could squeeze in behind. But Al was like, no, she could sit on my lap. <laughs> this should have already spelled like, no, dude, don't oh. do that. <laughs> no, it just sounds like it's going to be bad. <laughs> it's gonna be all bad. And we knew it was going to be all bad because immediately, like, me and Jose, we, like, looked at each other and we just had, like, that grin. I mean, that's how evil we were. We were like, oh, dude. <laughs> like, okay. So she jumps in, and I think, dude, like, the third spin around, all you heard was my buddy Al go, dude, my girlfriend. <laughs> and you see her just tumbling, dude, down the street. <laughs> Dude, dude, just like, Brutal. I mean, just do rolling, but it's just like that. Like you didn't think about like, oh man, she could seriously get hurt, or somebody can get seriously hurt. But 
when you're young, you're just so full of this energy and, you know, being a daredevil, you don't think about it, you know. So I just hope that Stevenson learns his lesson, gets himself back on track. Is he looking at time? Is he going to get time? Is he going to get some time or probably some community service or probably a fine? Um, I don't know how the the extent of the charge that he got, but hopefully he comes out of this as a lesson learned. You know, I think all of us, we all can sit back and go, oh, this is so terrible and all that. But I think everyone, and if you haven't, you haven't lived, um, have done something where we can look back and go like, oh, what an idiot. Like, you're a boy. You were dumb. I still do. I do it all the time, man. I, I'll tell you that. I, I do stupid shit all the time. You, well, you know? it's that thing, too, of uh, I listened to the uh, Penn Gillette's, uh, uh podcast. I don't know if you, the independent teller or the, the magicians. Um but he was talking on this, uh, he's got this great podcast called Penn Sunday School. And he, he was asking his two co-hosts, uh, when did you stop being immortal? You know, that idea of when you're young, nothing could hurt you. There's no consequences because you haven't really faced anything like that. You know, uh, you haven't been seriously injured. Uh, and maybe fighters, you know, there is that cloak of invincibility, you know, and, the, and when you're a kid, you know. Uh, I still feel like I'm immortal, but, um, you know, I haven't hit that point yet. But, you know, for some people, it's major major surgery. Uh, you know, some people, it's uh, breaking an arm uh, or whatever, breaking a bone. Uh, and, and here for Stevenson, it, it's a wake-up call. I mean, he doesn't need to look at Adrian Broner. He can look within his own stable and look at uh, Verdejo and go, there's a career, a guy that didn't stay focused, uh, didn't quite make it. To, to me, from prospect to contender, to real contender. He was always more of a suspect. Um, and then he got found out and got stopped. Uh, Chris Stevenson, he's, you know, he's got great people around him. Uh, he's got Andre Ward. He's got James Prince. He's got top rank. Uh, let those people take you where they can, which is, you know, probably pretty far. You know, uh, he, he does better rebel. and better each fight. Yeah, know? hopefully he doesn't rebel and fall into that trap. Yeah, you know, because uh, when you're surrounded, your surrounding is everything. That's that's one thing. You know, when you talk about, you know, uh, in, especially in your youth, you're you're easily influenced by your own peers because you believe what your peers are going to say. You know, um, that you kind of you start resenting the wise, the wise ones. You know. Um, I obviously, I see that with my kids, you know, I'll tell my kids, Hey, don't do that because of this reason, but they, they kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that half hearted. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, dad. Yeah. 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 Whatever old man, you know, um, we all did that. I did that. I used to do that with my, with my parents, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't know what he's talking about, man. Whatever. You know, ain't not going to happen. Um, so hopefully Steven Shakur is smart enough and has a strong enough, communication line with his camp the ones that are that are that are bringing him up to sit him down and say hey what are you doing <laughs> you know and point out some of those things that you just mentioned because uh you got a bright career but it could easily be turned off in the blink second if you just if you don't keep focused you know i always tell my on. kids yeah yeah I, I, you know, I always tell my kids, my younger brothers, is that you know that, um, you know, I know right now you feel like you're gonna miss out on everything, but I tell you what, the older you get, the 
the better time you're going to end up having because you're going to be able to go to better, you know, better places. There's going to be better opportunities. When you're young, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I had a fake ID, so I tried to get into all the clubs. And, but I was going to the local places, you know what I mean? Like, I, I wasn't going to Vegas, Atlantic City. I wasn't going, you know, I wasn't traveling. My whole little world was in downtown San Jose, you know? And when I really started having a great time is when I started traveling, started to see across, you know, across the borders of San Jose, you know, county line. And that's why I tell my kids, like, hey, trust me, you're not missing anything. You go to one club, the next one and around the corner is going to be the same thing. So hopefully Kurt gets his shit together, gets his act together and, and, and gets back on track, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. You know, he's, he's a, he seems like a good prospect. You know, um, that could that could become a contender. He seems to to get. I wasn't sold early on, but um, you know, he's also you know he's only twenty one. He doesn't even have his man strength yet. So it's going to be a while before no. we really get to yeah. see who he is. But uh, looks four good right years. now. I say three to four more years, we get to see really where he's at and who he is. It might be a little yeah. sooner, but it depends on the progression and how how well he pro, uh, progresses and stuff. But hey, speaking about cholos. Uh, Sacido sure didn't lean like one on his fight on ESPN. Um, boy, did he get hit a lot. Yeah. Even Tim Bradley said it, like, afterwards. Like, um, you know, work on your defense. <laughs> you, like, work on it a lot. Uh, you know, but it was it was a kind of a thing. You know, it seemed like that was what they wanted. was a bit of a trial by fire for the kid, and they sure got it. I, I remember when that Lenny was just Z... way too much trial by fire, though. You know what? <laughs> to me... To me, and I, I, I'm going to say this, they kind of robbed Lenny Z um, from his moment because he really did have total hurt that his legs were gone. The ref never stepped in. The the ref, dude, I mean, the ref was like, was he even there? Yeah, it, seriously. He, he had this blank stare in his face like he didn't know what the hell he was watching. And, you know, if anything, if anything, the ref helped out Salcido uh, get back into the fight because he allowed Lenny Z to, to gas out, to outpunch himself out in that in that round. But but if it, this fight was anywhere else, anywhere else, and had a different ref, it would have been stopped. He was out on his feet. He looked really hurt. He yeah, looked, he did. He was battered. There was blood all over the place. Couldn't even see his eyes to see whether or not he was glossed or what. Um. This could have put a real big damage on 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 Salcido, the Cholo. This I, is I don't not know the if kind it, of miles you want. Yeah, no, dude, no way, no way. You know, this was not. Some people were like, "This is Arturo Gotti, dude." This was worse than Arturo Gotti. This dude took a major. At least Arturo, you. I mean, you. B was bleeding even with Mickey Ward. He was taking some shots for. A good, you know, 30, 40 seconds, but then he would, turn, he would return some shots to kind of show that he was alive. There was almost over a minute where Salcido didn't throw anything. I mean, he was just basically being hit and pushed around the, the whole ring. He circled the whole, he went past every buckle of the ring. And the ref never stopped to see if he was okay. To, you know, give him at least some rest. You know, give him a standing eight count, anything. Didn't do none of it. Yeah, it was, you know, it's a, it's a strange thing, too. I, I think, you know, the longer I go in boxing, um, 
Well, the more health and safety issues come, you know, nobody was talking about concussion syndrome and, and, you know, they were saying, oh, these poor boxers, they don't have health insurance and, you know, they don't have a union, nobody really taking care of them. There's no pension plan. Uh, but nobody was talking about CTE and all those things. And, you know, rest is soul. But we didn't really get to see the effect of all the wars that Gotti went through. You know, true. Uh, we, you know, we see, heard a little bit of slurring, just a tiny bit. But I imagine a few years out of the game, uh, what he would have talked like, what he would have been like, you know, I mean, there were some fighters that, you know, you just see, and that's why I'm always kind of like skeptical of that, that argument of like people dogging the PBC fighters. They make too much money. They don't fight often enough, but then you flip it back and it's like fighters didn't make that much back in the day. uh, And they fought often. And a lot of them have brain damage. Uh, A lot of them are broken down bodies. Uh, The the, the old fighter is now, his his name is escaping me that uh, they used to come out past now. God, it's it's definitely uh, definitely morning. Um, but you know, they, 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 just seeing fighters that that can't talk, like I don't really glorify the past that way. Like God, I wish they used to do, do it the way they used to. I mean, some guys, you know, still had their faculties. Jake Lamada seemed to still have his faculties. Uh, you know, uh, as a pretty old guy, uh, despite all those fights. But you know, you you got to go. Um, the, the, by and large, most people aren't that guy, you know? Uh, well, so you know, I, I look at this and the, the damage that this kid took, and I, I don't know, you know? You know I, think I think there's more Diego Corrales than Jake Bluas. Right. You know, I think what people are confusing of what the old, the old guys did was, okay, what you hear is, you see, or the pitch of the aftermath is what you watch is the blood, the gore of it, okay? Um, but what they're missing is that even like like the Jake Lamadas, they did get hit, but there there was a there was a a science of of their movement when they got in with they with a Robinson, they were getting in with one of the best, one of the best fighters, and there was still boxing intact. There was head movement, there was cutting the ring off with with Salcedo and Lenny Z. I didn't see any of that. What I saw were two guys just go at it and bust each other up. And a lot of ways, that's not boxing, guys. It isn't. Is it entertaining? Absolutely. I was entertained. We had a round of a year uh, with, with those two warriors stepping in. But there was things that were missing from the science of that fight. There was a lot of things that were missing from the science of that fight. And Timothy Pratley pointed out one of them. Dude, you need some defense. You need some head movement, telling El Cholo Salcido. Um, to me, it was, it was, when I was watching this, it was, the anticipation it was, okay, who's going to be civil enough to jump in and stop this, this bloodbath? Who, who's going to be the guy that more, has more sense to go, hey, this is it. This is over. Um, and nobody did. Not to the very end. Now, Lenny Z retired, which is a great move for him. I think this was a great way to walk out of the sport. He's going to be remembered <sighs> as a warrior. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. But at, at but at a real high cost. I mean, look at his face. Yeah. I mean, that was brutal, man. And and you know, it's it's what we celebrate in this sport. But it's 
you know, yeah, I, I I'm just kind of conflicted with it because I'm I'm one of those fans that I'm a thirsty ghoul, and I'll tell you, I I was entertained, I was up on my feet. Then the other side of me, the older side of me, is like, dude, stop the fight already. This is crazy. These guys don't need it. They don't need this much. I mean, I think we already saw enough DNA all over the place to sample. Uh, we don't need any more. And I go back again. This ref should have his license revoked. He should never ref another fight. Um, he was... You know, we talk about doing your job. This guy didn't even show up to do his job. He was sleepwalking in the ring. And he was sleepwalking under two guys that were giving their all. And every dollar worth that, that the fans went out and watched this fight live, that this ref did a disservice by not even being awake and aware of what was happening in front of him. It was terrible. Now, going back with Cholo, how honestly... Anybody in his weight division, I would I would be pressing my manager, get me that fight. Get me that fight. He can get hurt. He can get hit a lot. He's going to give me a display that I need in terms of bleeding. And, and, and with the right ref and the right commission, it could be a short night for me. Well, you know, and, and it's, it's – this is, you know uh, – I did that piece, what, two years ago now. Actually, I had somebody contact me recently from the BBC who would read it and was like, Jesus, about when I contacted all you know, the different commissions that are on the Association of uh, Boxing Commission's website. It was like 76 different groups to, to, to reach out to, the 50 states and then different Indian casinos, uh, different athletic commissions in different regions of a state. And I'm watching this in Oklahoma, and yeah, I'm looking at the ref in, the, in that fight and going – what are you doing? But also, you know, look at the opponents that are approved. Um, you know, uh, Martin Angel Martinez against Mike Alvarado. Granted, Alvarado's, you know, a, a faded fighter. You could see that in the fight. He couldn't quite get this guy out of there. Uh, but this guy, had, you know, had lost back in, uh, he lost two in 2017. Actually, no, I'm sorry. He lost three fights in 2017 out of four that he had. Uh, he was stopped in one of them. He fought in 2018 and was stopped. And then he fought against Mike Alvarado, and he, and he loses. So this guy was approved, having been stopped uh, back in March. So, you know, now here we are in June, and he's getting to fight again, just outside of that, you know, three-month window that's usually kind of standard for, for stoppages. But so he gets to fight. But also, I, I thought this was egregious and horrible to watch. Uh, Trey Lippy Morrison against mm, yeah. Byron Pauly, grossly overweight, like 279 pounds. And, you know, on a, on a, he was only like, he's not six, barely six feet, maybe um, super fat. And the guy lost to Charles Martin by TKO in 2017. Who's not very good. Started off the year uh, getting stopped in, in Birmingham, uh, you know, he gets KO'd there. Then his next fight, he gets TKO'd. Next fight, TKO'd. So three stoppage losses in 2017. So what do they do? They put him in against Trey Lippy Morrison, a power puncher, who's also, you know, undefeated. And the guy gets battered around the ring, knocked down like five times, something like that. I mean, <laughs> when were they thinking yeah. of stopping that fight? 
Mm. I mean, it, I, I just stuff like that takes my passion for boxing out of me and go, this is barbaric and the sport needs to be regulated. Uh, egregious. Like what are they doing in Oklahoma? Uh, besides letting people beat the shit out of fat guys, uh, you know, what are they five doing in Oklahoma, they're giving them, they're giving them every dollar work because they're, they don't have many shows in Oklahoma. That's what they're doing. They, they knew that in order to, you know what I mean? I mean, look, if they're going to hold yeah. another event, if they're going to hold another event, the Oklahoma fans that had a chance to watch uh, a, a fight live, they're going to remember what they saw. Whether it was a mismatch, whether it was, you know, uh, too gruesome, they walked away going, hey, I got my dollar worth. Um, I didn't understand. I mean, that, that fight. Again, but I tell you what, Bob's got to definitely walk away with a smile after that Cholo fight because he – Cholo went out there. Now, did he look technically ready for anybody else? Does he look ready to be taken out by anybody that has a better resume or, you know, um, anybody that understands that, hey, he can get cut, he can get hurt if you stay away from your box? Um, absolutely. But can he? But where's Bob going to put it at? Right back where he had it. He, he, he's definitely going to get his money worth out of the kid. You know, um, somebody, yeah. I, 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 somebody I follow, um, God, he's a boxing coach as well. I'm sorry, brother, if I can't remember your, your, your handle's name. Um, but he said, like, fights like that take so much out of a fighter that you're only good for a certain amount of years. You're only going to be around for a certain amount of years. And there's so much truth. Look at Bam Bam Reels. You know, he had to come head first, take all the punches in the world for me to land big punches. But didn't stick around for very long. And then when he did step up to face the more elite guys in the divisions, what happened? He was easily outboxed. So was there good and bad with the win for Salcedo? Absolutely. The good was he gave a great entertaining show that fans are going to want to see him again. It was a bloodbath round of the year. Um, he showed that he, he could, he could take a beating and he could come right back from it. There's no give in the kid. He's not, there's no quit in the kid. He's going to come to fight. But the other one is he's ripe to go already. He may not be the same guy uh, the second time around, in my opinion. He may not be the same dude because he may be cut. He's going to have some tissue problems because of this fight. Or a fight like that sometimes leaves a major part of you in the ring. A fight like that sometimes makes the fighter go back and start kind of questioning themselves. Does it, you know, sometimes it doesn't do the, the positive that you're looking for, which is kind of up his ego and make him feel like, oh, I'm invincible. It could do the opposite. So it's kind of interesting to see what happens next. Yeah. Uh, he may get to me, it's about matchmaking for him now. He, he may not want to dig as deep next time we you don't know but also you know his, his, his trainer as much as i like him you know th- this is the kind of fight that they were if i'm not mistaken they talked about this that they wanted an all-action kind of fight a trial by fire kind of fight and uh, you know, i hope that they take the lessons away from this and go you know how about some defense too because they can't all be like this and especially you know lenny z i remember i, I saw his first fight i covered it live at the agua caliente uh, in, in uh, you know, Indio, California. Uh, this is back in 2009. So you're going life and death with a guy. And I remember, like, you know, it was Gary Shaw, I think, that brought him out. And, like, this guy's going to be the, you know, Australian Arturo Gotti. 
And we're like, yeah, he he does get hit a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. He seems to have some power. But I remember him going the distance, and I'd heard so much about Lenny Zappa coming in, and I was like, yeah, he's not very good. You know, like he's a good action fighter, and he gives us this – these kind of fights generally happen with these kind of journeyman guys. It's, it's rare when you get like a Morales and a Barrera to, to really go at it or a Corrales Castillo. That's what makes those fights classic because there are kind of elite fighters going at it. But, you know, Cholo Sacido is a guy come on the ups uh, fighting a guy who this may have, you know, this was his last fight. Uh, so you have to kind of wonder about where your guy's at. You know, if you're going life and death like that, or maybe he made the mistake of, of going into the fire and not boxing enough in this fight and, and getting hurt in that fourth round. And, and, you know, punches you can avoid, you should avoid them. You know, so, you know, good for us, you bad know, for him. Good for us, bad for him, good for ESPN, good for the viewers, good for the fans that attended. Um, definitely was good for ESPN because the main event was a bore. Boy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh man! Zerto was fighting more like Turto. Uh, it was uh, wow, <laughs> real bad. Yeah. Now, really bad. I read something this morning. Um, his trainer said that they they believe that him making 168 with his big frame that that Ramirez is ha- is starting to fight like it's affecting him. What do you think about that? God. Um... I, don't I never know. thought you much know, of him. So I never. I was going to say that because of what I've seen of him, I've never been intrigued. If anything, I was more intrigued by his opponent Angulo. You yeah. know, to me, Angulo looked like he had he had the you know the punch to end this horrific performance by Zulo. <laughs> if he just followed up, and and it, it almost like. I think it was you that asked me, like, think he got paid off? I was like, it looked like it. Because he landed a big shot. Ramirez looked hurt. I mean, he was hurt. Didn't look. He was hurt. And yeah. Angulo just backed off of it. Just like, ah, okay. You know, I even put this on Twitter. I was like, it's almost like Angulo's the board of his own style. It was just really hard. And I tell you what, if 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 you're a promoter and you're hyping up a big 168 Mexican kid, which they, they, they promoted that. The boxing IQ is the first ever 168 Mexican to get a title at this weight class, blah, 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 blah. And you're hyping them up. I got to tell you, you, you probably sunk pretty far into the seat whenever an ESPN executive walked by because that was by far the worst poor performance so far for the year, in my opinion, for ESPN headline. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he, he fought. He fought. They had to start calling him Triple Z because uh, his ass put me to sleep. Oh, I, uh, most definitely. Uh, and, oh and my you know goodness! What? And you know what? The OTT ESPN Plus. If you're listening now, and 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 I said this was a good thing to have this type of app because it gives you direct connect with the fans so that you can see who's watching. Let me be the first of many of the fans of the world to tell you: don't put them on ESPN Plus. We don't want to see the kid. Put him on solo book sale. Put him somewhere else. But you know what? Let him fight in Mets so they can throw beer cans at the kid when he has a snoof fez like this again. It's terrible. Great storyline, though. I like the storyline of his, uh, you, know, uh, you, know, you know, hey, came from poverty and everything. But, hey, I got to tell you this. The kid, got, what, at 9 or 11 years old, had to carry a knife around with him. Facing Angulo, he needed a knife. 
you know, I'm not that crazy about it, to be honest. Uh, Mark Kreigel, one of kind of bugs me during the broadcast. It just he interrupts Tim Bradley, who's the actual expert as a you know a future Hall of Famer, multi division boxing champion. Uh, Mark's points when he interrupts Tim. I'm like, dude, I, I wanted to know what Tim was going to say, and Tim sometimes doesn't go back and repeat what he was going to say. Uh, Mark needs to, to defer to Tim, not the other way around. Uh, but, you know, there's something that bothers me about, particularly in, as a Mexican-American, uh, particularly in this political moment that we're all have been in, or this nightmare, as some people would call it, where Mexicans are being vilified as, as rapists and criminals by uh, the, the person that holds the highest office in the land. There's something about covering a Mexican Ameri- or a Mexican fighter and talking about the drug war and how he was going to be pulled into the drug war as a child. That bothers me. That, that, that kind of frames us as Mexico, as this, this terrible place that's full of monsters who are killers as children. Uh, if you're covering the drug war, you've got to talk about the whole thing. Uh, how, you know, I've tweeted this just uh, like yesterday about how since, you know, the Nixon administration, which really ramped up the drug war, has imposed the drug war and, and the illegality and criminalization of recreational drugs on Latin American countries, countries around the world. That's our policy. So the drug war and, and its barbaric uh, kind of side effects all the, the, the drug cartels, those are all byproducts of U.S. policy. You know, people have, we're not completely solely responsible, but we're the, the, the biggest country and, you know, the largest military. Uh, we're, we're the big dog. We're the superpower. We're imposing that policy on us. So, I don't know. To me, it wasn't the most feel-good story. It was like, is really now the time to be focusing on Mexicans as, as drug dealers, as children? I, I, I don't know. I don't I know. Hear what I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying, but... Let me, let me point it out why I think it's a good story. It's a good story because what you just mentioned right now of what goes on in Mexico, um, because the reality is that there is a lot of parts of Mexico still right now that is very dangerous to walk at, around, very dangerous for the kids, for women. Um, the cartels have taken over. Hopefully with this new president, there's things that are going to have some change. I doubt it. If he does try to do some change, I think this president is going to get murdered, assassinated. But to hear a story like, like Zordo Ramirez saying that there is a chance, there's a reality of that, you're not just stuck there. You can get out of it. You can do, make a choice of whether you run with the cartel or do something else. So to hear that Ramirez didn't fall into that trap and found another outlet to get away from it, to get out of it, to me it's an inspiring story for any child, any kid, because Mexico only has like two or three channels. So when they see this kid, they see Ramirez, and they hear his story – they see like, hey, there is a chance. If maybe if I go to a gym, rather than picking up a gun or being a runner for the cartel, I can do something different. There is a light at the end of that tunnel. So I think that's a story that 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 has a positive to it. Is there a darkness in it? Absolutely. But like the commentator said, that he found some light from it. He was able to find some light out of it, and he was able to find a way out of any other lifestyle and found an athlete style instead. So. That's why I like the story because there is more. There's got to be more stories that we put out there. There's got to be more positive that we put out there for our kids, especially for Mexican kids, Mexican American kids, um, to let them know that 
you're not a product of of destruction. You're not going to just be a be a product to the system. You can you can you can do more than that. I always tell my kids this. You know, if you don't like the system, change the system by becoming part of the system. That's the way we make change. That's the way we're supposed to make change as 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 a, as a community, as 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 a group of of people. Um, we have to make these certain changes. So that's why yeah. I like the Ramirez the, the Ramirez story because it does show that not always, even if you're in a bad situation, because you hear this a lot. Well, I had no choice. We all have right. choices. We all have choices. I I come from a very bad neighborhood. You know, I grew up in downtown San. And the majority of my friends are either in prison or they're dead. You know, there's only a few, there's only a handful of us that got out of there and did a different, took a different route. So there is, there are choices. The, the thing is that this is the problem. The choices are not presented because we're too busy telling people and accepting this whole, you don't have a choice. You do. Hard work, what Ramirez did and being dedicated and focused got him out of that bad situation. So kudos to that. Even though you put me to sleep, and I don't want to see you on ESPN Plus, buddy, kudos for getting out of a bad situation and getting in front of TV to put me to sleep. So thank you for that one. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, so what do we got here? We, oh, uh, huh. we got Jose. We Ramirez. got a fight this weekend. We got a fight this weekend. You know Fresno. We got Fresno's kid, Jose Ramirez, going to be stepping in with Danny O'Connor. Um, what is it? The Honda Civic Arena? Is that where that's at? Um, hang on one second. I could be wrong. I look it up. Oh, I just I just made it go away. That's just Saturday, right? It is this Saturday. Man, uh, we can't go. Schedule. Yeah, yeah, the Save Mart Arena in uh, Fresno, Mart. California. Yeah, there you go. Save yeah, Mart yeah. Arena. Uh, you've got Igas uh, Cavalicious against Juan Carlos Abra, uh, Abreu. Uh, welterweights and uh, you know, and Jose Ramirez versus Danny O'Connor. Um, I, you know, this is a stay busy fight. You're not going to be Absolutely. able to convince me that this is better than Regis Progre. Uh, you know, that fight no. I guess has to be built up, as they say. Uh, but man. you know, this is a stay busy fight, but it's also a um, in the introduction of uh, his new trainer. Uh, Robert Garcia. Yes. You know, let's see how he looks. Let's see what Robert has done. What what what's added? What's the mold been added with? You know. Um, well, does he look flat footed? Think... Yeah. I don't see anything being added to tell you the truth. You know. Um, I like Robert. I just don't think Robert is what people make him out to be. You know. I, I still think there's a lot that Robert is still a very young trainer. Um, I think of anything, his dad is the mastermind of, of Mikey Garcia. Um, we saw, we saw what his dad is, the capabilities of his dad. Um, Robert, we, st- I'm still on the fence. He got trainer of the year, but to me it was very, you could argue about that. You could argue a lot about a lot of things about him right now. So I, I want to see, okay, what has he done? What has he added? Or are we going to see the same Jose Ramirez? You know, um, and this is not by not listening to the commentators because uh, their job is to is to point out things are not that are not even that they don't even exist. They're not even there. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, on top rank, I, I like you know the top rank ESPN. Uh, I really like uh, Joe Tessitore. I think he he's a great blow by blow guy. 
Um, I really am, am enjoying Tim Bradley. I think he's already arguably the best fighter, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, color al- analyst um, in the game, you know. I like Marquez. Uh, I guess, you know, well, Marquez is pretty great, too. Uh, yeah, I, I, I but, mean, you know, you know, the Olympian, you know, 154-pounder. Um, I think he does a great – I think him and Timothy are, are by far the best. They do yeah, a I great really, I've, job. I've yeah, like Raul Marquez. Yeah, no doubt. Yep. Um, Raul does a great job. I mean, same thing with Timothy. He sees it. He calls it. Um, his ego is not involved in it. I mean, he exactly. mentioned that. You know, if he talks about himself as a fighter, it's it's about hardships it's, or, or you yep, know, it's obstacles. Flaws. Yeah, he talks about his flaws. You know, like oh, you know, yeah, that's something I did. You know, but I have problems. With. I, I like when when they when these fighters don't interject themselves of, of going like, well, if I was in there. This is what right. I would do to him. You know, it's more like this is what he needs to do. This is what this other guy should do. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. That's what that's what commentating is supposed to be. That's what you're supposed to point out, you know. Um, so I'm hoping that, that, that that's what they're going to end up. I'm just I don't have high hopes sometimes when it comes to that, because I know that they ha- they're getting paid to do a certain job. They have to sell the fighter, you know, um, that's what it looks more and more more nowadays when it comes to any uh, uh, commentator. They have they're, they're they're more in place to sell the fighter, not tell the story of what's happening in front of you. You know. That's yeah. I think Mark Kriegel is there. That's why I didn't mention him as somebody I enjoy because I feel like he's there selling the story, whatever angle he's decided on. And um, you know, I mean, he's covered the beat. It's not like he's. He's not Max Kellerman. He, he actually seems to know the trainers and fighters and actually see them in the gyms. He's, you know, a SoCal-based guy. Uh, so I do trust his information. Uh, I just, I don't know. There's something about him that puts me off. Uh, maybe it's the permanent 5 o'clock shadow. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think he brings a certain arrogance, the way yeah. I heard him speak to Timothy. He's a good writer. You know, yeah. It's it's like, well, I've been on the beat. I, I, I yeah. know what I'm talking about because I'm on the beat. And, uh Whereas, whereas when Timothy is is placing his point is is the point of I'm, I'm, I was a fighter, and I was a world champion, and I've been in with some of the best, best fighters in the, in the world, you know. Um, and I'm telling you, this is what he needs to do, and you're you're telling me that I'm completely wrong, you know. Yeah, it's like it's like a a, a theater critic arguing with an actor director. It's like well, I see a lot of theater. Well, that's great. I make a lot of theater, so right. your opinion is you don't really understand what it's like to. You know, like be a week away from opening and it feels like the show is never going to come together and then it always does. Like, you know, same for a fighter, like those dark nights of the soul in the middle of training camp where you just, you know, like I was looking at, you know, Andre Ward is saying, you know, he keeps getting that pull to come back, but then it quickly goes away. You imagine the, the go away part is, oh, yeah, training camp. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I like walking down the aisle after the work's done and heading into that ring and putting on the show. I but all the shit things. that gets me there. I think it's two, tra- oh, oh yeah, training camp. Oh yeah, negotiations. Yeah, getting what I oh, want. Mm-hmm. And nagging injuries and all that stuff. But yeah. you know, looking looking at Danny O'Connor here, I, I don't think we're going to get to see a very long fight. He's only I he's I was going to say that. Times. But yeah. he's been knocked out once. It was in the rematch with uh, Gabriel uh, Bracero, um, who stopped him uh, back in 2015. Like one punch knockout, ref waved it off, first round. Uh, he's fought three times since then. Or no, I'm sorry, four times since then. 
in the, the next year in 2016, after almost a year layoff against uh, Jerry Thomas, he won by hmm. split decision. Uh, I was in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, then he fought Matt, uh, Michael McLaughlin. And these are, you know, 11, 0 and one and 12, one and one fighters. Then he beat uh, Daniel Gonzalez, 14, 0 and one. Then he went the distance with Steve Claggett to pick up a, WBC International uh, Silver li- Super Lightweight title, which is oh, actually he picked up the vacant version of that belt uh, against Daniel Gonzalez. And you kind of go, why were either of these guys fighting for this? Um, I guess, you know, it's like the, the WBC moving guys into position to be um, cannon fodder, I guess is how, uh, how it works. Because now they can say, well, this is a ranked guy and he had like, you know, the International Silver Belt. So He's he's clearly the guy that should you know Ramirez should be defending against, and this fight is what it is. It's a soft ass. It defense. is what it is. And you know Danny what? Danny O'Connor is thirty three years old. Uh, he looks beat up in his picture on box rack, so it doesn't bode well for him. <laughs> and you know what? And you know what? The same folks that were saying they're tired of seeing uh, Zordo Ramirez get in with nobodies has to be said about Jose Ramirez here. We're tired of seeing him get in with nobodies. He needs to step it up. O'Connor's in yeah. the world is not the step. It's not the right direction. You know, I think his fans, we already know he could bring a crowd. But do we know yet he can actually top out what a, what a real or even another champion? I mean, he fought him on, which was good. But that guy hadn't proven himself either. So, to me, Jose Ramirez, you know, you got a chance. You got a, 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 I, I think the... the the lead, the lead way I'm going to get him is you got a new trainer, and obviously they want to test the waters to see how, how much you, you know, how well you and uh, uh, Garcia worked. But you know, the other thing is, is, is Danny O'Connor like, come on, you know, it's time to step up already. All right. Yeah, and I mean, it's only you know, so pick, long we can keep you as a marketing guy. You know what I mean? I mean, your 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 team have done a great job, but Jesus Christ, keep giving us crappy fights. Nobody's going to care. Amir Amman was a good fight, but yeah, Mike Reed, you know, uh, I mean, everything else has been developmental. So, you know, Robert Frankel, um, yeah, I'd like to see him step it up. But I think also, you know, uh, like I picked Ramirez coming out of the Olympics as kind of a dark horse to pick up a title. I, I liked him. I liked his style. Um, I remember, I remember Steve, telling me that. Yeah, Steve kind of felt he was really limited, and I – I said, no, I, I, I like his engine, and I like his aggression. If they can tame that and farm it a bit, uh, he could, he could actually, pick up the I, title. Yeah, I've actually said that um, – this is when me and Felipe were doing the show. I actually said that Jose Ramirez, to me, is a guy that can't get back, past a solo book sale card. Um, he's a guy that belongs on there. You know, I don't see him hmm. getting any further than that, you know, um, and especially by fighting a Danny O'Connor. To me, he doesn't belong on HBO or anything else yet. You know, he doesn't belong on pay-per-view. Does he bring a crowd? Does he sell tickets? Absolutely. Um, the the story the storyline behind him is great. But man, when I watch him, I'm actually I feel like I'm I'm, I'm there's a lack of something there. Something just not there complete that tells me he's got the the boxing style quality of a star yet. It's and it, I don't think he's ever gonna get there. Until we fight somebody that can actually show me the quality that that Bob Aramer or his fancy um, can convince me otherwise, I just don't see it right now. Don't see it. I'm not sure if uh, if uh, a Roberto Gar- uh, Garcia could bring that out of him. 
You know, I mean, Roberto to me is a guy that that could actually limit you, in my opinion. He can make you more flat-footed. He can make you take more punishment to the face, you know, uh, lack of defense. We've seen that with his fighters. You know, Garcia's not the guy that teaches you how to counterpunch and, you know, how to slip punches. He actually teaches you – he's more of a guy that teaches you to go in and, and, and create a war. I'm not sure if that's what Jose Ramirez needs or wants or should have. Yeah. I, uh, I thought it was interesting, too, that they did kind of this feature th- on ESPN Plus – kind of throwing Freddie under the bus basically saying that, you know, he wasn't getting the attention that he needed, you know, uh, that they just weren't, you know, when Freddie was able to, he'd get, you know, he'd teach him stuff. But I just was like, to me, it's like the, I, I don't know. I, I thought that was just very curious. Well, they um, did that to him when Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Left them. I think they do that to him every single time. Anytime anybody leaves or any trainer, you know, they, they, they got to sell it to the next guy. They got to make the fans um, give the forgiveness. Because if anything, that's one thing that fans always talk about is the loyalty, the integrity. And, and when you jump ship, they wanted him to kind of look like this is the reason why. It wasn't because he was looking for something different. It was because he was, he was, there was a lack of what he was getting back in return. But he was being loyal by showing up every day. He just wasn't getting the, you know, the... Um, the attention that is needed for a world champion or stay as a world champion or, be, you know, get to wherever they were looking to get, which is the stardom. So I, I think that's why they did. But uh, I, Jose Ramirez, I, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, um, yeah, Jose Ramirez going with, uh, with uh, Roberto, Roberto Garcia. I'm not, I'm not sure, man. I, 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 you know, I said that would have been a, probably a better fit. Would have been Manny Rublos. I think that would have been a better fit. A little more cerebral, yeah. yeah, a little more technical, and I think more Manny technical. likes he likes movement a little bit more. He does. You know? He does. I he's like a, Manny. I think he's yeah. You know, he's getting his just due. We should get him on this show. Uh, yeah, I like what uh, Manny like. Even what I know Valdez, you know, poses some things that he needs to fix, and you know, there's still a lot of questions about him as well. But when he goes back to the corner, I like what Manny's telling him. It's you know it. It's not always the, the fault of a trainer. Like we were talking about Abel Sanchez. You know, like I said about Abel Sanchez, you know, maybe Abel's giving them the right, the right answers for adjustment. It's up to the fighter to follow through. Can he, can he shake it off? Can he listen and follow the direction? And when you see with Valdez, when he goes back to the corner, Manny, or any of the fighters that, that Manny Wibbles has worked with, I hear him give them excellent, excellent instructions. But, it's the fighter themselves. They have to follow the direction. They have to see what the trainer sees. And that sometimes is very hard to connect. We don't always get that chemistry. And that's some of the chemistry that we talk about with trainers and fighters. That, that doesn't always, the spark between them doesn't always um, light, light up. You know, so it's really rare. I, I wonder, like Jose Ramirez, if that would have been the right fit. But then again, Roberto Garcia might be. I'm not sure. We're going to find out. What I, but what I've seen, the track record between the two, two different styles. Robert likes more of a come forward, uh, Brandon Real style. And Jose Ramirez is an aggressive, but he's still a boxer puncher to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to, to see that marriage. I don't think we're going to see a lot of it 
versus yeah, Danny. I don't, I don't, I don't either, man. <laughs> anyways, um, anyways, guys, hey, everybody, happy Fourth of July. Sorry that we weren't on for what, like two weeks. Uh, like I said, I hurt my shoulder, my back, my neck. I can barely move right now. I'm, st- I'm working, but man, by the time I get home, I'm just beat. But I, I felt great today. Um, I actually got to sleep in. Yeah, Gable actually called me, woke me up, like, hey, are you awake? I was like, oh shit the show i normally i get up super early but last night i stayed up man and uh, i was watching clint eastwood i was enjoying i was enjoying life that was my escape it's gonna be my escape i, I can't wait to go on vacation which, but anyways, which clint eastwood? i was watching uh magnum force yeah dude yeah love it that's a good yeah you, you got it if that's on dude you, you know what it. i was thinking you know what i was thinking i was like you know because have you seen his son scott clinton looks just like like clint okay but doesn't act like him um, hasn't been in a good movie. Um, got pick uh, bad choices of, 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 of movie picks. But if, if if Clint, his dad, decided to do any remakes, because he directed a lot of the Dirty Harry series, um, and uh, if he, and, and he even directed the Escape from Alcatraz. But if he decided to like remake it, his son is the perfect fit. I mean, looks exactly like him. I just don't know if he could act like Clint Eastwood, you know? And obviously the storyline would have to change a little bit because, like, look, watching Magnum Force, you're just like, yeah, that wouldn't really happen in the real world, you know? You know? <laughs> Some of the stuff that they, they do. But, but, dude, great movies. I mean, I just love them. I love those old school westerns that he was in and, like, even, like, John Wayne movies and stuff. I, I don't know. I, I'm just one of those, you know? Um, the fake blood, you know? The shooting in every direction, but there's no bullet holes in the walls. <laughs> you know, you shot at Clint Eastwood. I mean, like in one part in Magnum Force, he's on the plane because they were, uh, you know, um, uh, hijacking the plane, and the guy turns around and he shoots like four times at straight right at the direction of Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, and misses every shot. <laughs> and Clint just shoots him twice. It's just like, yeah, that's realistic. Anyways, uh, I'm you know, it's it's when it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It really is. It's so, that it's is so like, bad, but you love it. The cop that drives like, the car into the into the shop. You know, I don't think that that one. I think the, that might be the first one, uh, Dirty Harry. But you know, it's like, oh, there's yeah. a there's robbery going in there. I'm gonna drive my car through the front of it, and then get out and just calmly shoot everybody, and it'll be yeah, a, it'll a good old days, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was he was on days. suspension on on Magnum Force, but. You know, it was now he was never under an investigation. He was a uh, police brutality, and you know all this stuff. It was realistic, actually. Like, ah, you're good. You're good. It's it's, it's like it's like the like um, the Rocky series. Everybody's excited to watch it, even though we know it's fake as hell. Like, I'll tell you what. I after Rocky three with uh, uh, Mr. T. Honestly, like Rocky Four, I, I you know we wanted to go see it. It was a big, it was a big deal, but you know the story wasn't very good. Oh, and then after no. that, I was just like, uh, didn't really care for it. And then the last Rocky, when he was old, it was actually a good story. I, I liked it, okay. But then Creed, they, you know, everybody was pumped up and ready to watch Creed, and I wasn't. Honestly, I wasn't. I was just like, uh. And then we watched it, and I sat back and I'm like, dude, this was just like the reboot of the first one. It wasn't. There was nothing real, but I got to tell you what, Creed 2, with Drago being brought back, I know it's not going to be a good movie, but I'm kind of curious how they're going to play it out. Like, how is this going to be played out, you know? Yeah. I always thought it was funny. Well, I, I didn't, back then I didn't really notice it, but I was looking at it recently, and I'm like, there's that scene, you know, in Rocky Four where they're showing Drago they're like they don't you know they show them like shooting up steroids or being having injected with yeah. steroids 
Yep. And it's like this kind of, you know, it's very Cold War, you know, uh, rah, rah, America, Soviets are bad. And this guy's not even a human. He's like a, you know, a steroided outed machine. Uh, but you look at Rocky in that movie or Stallone and like, he is juiced to the gills. Like he is, Gale, you know, bro. You know yeah. like he's 20 years away from his HGH uh, bust in Australia, but he is so steroided out in, in three and four that you're like, it's just, it's funny to me, like watching them. Like, oh yeah, the Soviet guy's totally on steroids, but Rocky, all natural, you know? <laughs> so just funny stuff. But uh, I, I, can, I, you know, I liked Creed. Uh, you I know, liked it uh, too. I did. I, I liked it, but I, but I was not one of the guys that like, oh, you know, I want to, I definitely got to sit back. It, I, I'm, in, it's, it's anticipated. Oh, it was a great story. It's one of the best, uh, 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 um, one of the best ones out of the whole series. I wasn't like that. I was like, it was kind of like, it was like Star Wars uh, Awakened. It was just a reboot of the same story with diff- with dis- different characters. I liked it better than the new dialogue. Star Wars, I'll have to say. I, I, the oh, new Star oh, Wars. Oh, come on. Horrible. Oh. You know, horrible. They're really? trying too hard. You liked them? Yeah. No, oh, I didn't. Shit. You know why I didn't like the Soul Star Wars series, the new ones? Um, is because there's so many other better better stories, which they're finally... They're pulling like I haven't seen the solo Han Solo one yet, but nope. There's other stories, but um, that that are out I like Rogue One. I lo- yeah, I did. I did like Rogue One. I did like it, you know. But like I said, I haven't watched Han Solo, so I can't. I can't say anything yet about that one. But um, I just feel that there's other stories out there that they can pull and use rather than trying to reboot the same crap. Like to me, they're still trying to find another Dark Vader. Somebody that everybody can get behind, you know, and, and Maybe they're trying to bring back the the Darth Maul or something. I heard, but uh, yeah, I think they picked just, the wrong guy for that alone so already. Yeah, the, it's the same thing. But I mean, look, if you look at the the Rocky series, they're bringing Drago back, but as a youth, as a son. So they're still doing the same thing. They're not creating a new storyline, you know, which no. is crazy because there's a lot of stories out. I've said this plenty of times on the show. There are so many great stories in boxing that you could pull. That you you could just you could bring it in you could bring into the Rocky series if you wanted to, you know. And you know, and then honestly, if I was going to bring a kid back, I, I mean, I guess Russia is hot right now since you know they apparently uh, uh, rigged our elections, but uh, and own our president allegedly. You know, I'd kind of like to see Mr. T and his kid. How good would that be? I don't know. Oh, that could be pretty man. fun. <laughs> that would know? it would. <laughs> And, like, if I'm an actor, like, who wouldn't want to play, you know, Clubber Lang Jr. or whatever his name would be, you know? Or, or, you know, it would have been great because Creed, his dad, Apollo, what if he had a, a kid out of wedlock? Well, and he was he's coming a kid up out in the wedlock. Is he a kid? I can't remember. Yeah, he's, he he's like, a, oh, that's right. He's a he legitimate is. kid. Yeah, yeah. But, hey, you know, Wilt Chamberlain, you know, got around. Why didn't Apollo yeah. Creed? Exactly. You know, so, or you even know. Rocky. What about Rocky's kid? Oh no, his kid is all nerd out. That's right. Yeah. Jeez. See, I got to go back and walk all the watch, rewatch all the Rocky series again. Don't you know? don't watch five. It's, I it's, know. It's, it's, like it's the Godfather Tommy three. The yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no. It's got a. It's probably my favorite fight. Is that street fight? You know. But really? Uh, oh no. God, it was cringy, man. Oh, you don't, don't like it? Fight him. He's a street fighter. Hey, Touch me and I'll down. Sue. Hey, oh. you knocked him down. Why don't you try knocking me down? <laughs> you touched me and I'll see. 
<laughs> what are you funny. doing, Rocky? You have a son. <laughs> That's what my I my. I have, I have one impression from Rocky. It's just Adrian. You can't win. That's, it. That's, That's pretty good. Do the, Thanks, do the Oscar De La Hoya for me really quick, man. Make that my, oh, my 4th July present. Go for it. New Facebook Live deal is, is, is going to be fantastic. I mean, absolutely. We're, we're going to be taking over boxing. Oh, I don't know if it's as good today. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, but look at us right now. Early. We, we could go to dinner. Yeah. Maybe I'm too friendly with Oscar now. I can't, I can't be a savage with I him. know. You got to have a little, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't to, know. Hold the spoon. Like, maybe I don't know. Play with some spoons in front of you, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, um, I'm your host, Dave Twain. This is my co-host, Mr. Gable Montoya. Till next week, here on Leaving the Ring, we'll be back on Monday, right? We'll be back Monday. Is that the plan? We here? will be back on Monday. Yeah, yeah. It's Monday. been my fault. Yeah, it's been both our faults. Well, it's been my, like I said, my injury here and stuff. Man, I'm a big baby, dude. I'm a huge big baby. You know, I get a splinter and I got to go to the emergency. Uh, I got to just take advantage of my medical, my medical right now, all of that stuff. Anyways, we'll be back Monday at 6 p.m. here on Leaving the Ring. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And for those of you that didn't, I'm glad you still tuned in and listened to our rants here and there. Anyways, host Dave Duenas, Mr. Gabriel Matoya, happy, happy 4th of July. Enjoy your Independence Day with your family. But please remember, be responsible. Do not drink or drive because you will spill your beer. Peace.